As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, we are here to get you ready for the third game of the Carolina season as they get ready to head down to Atlanta and take on the Georgia State Panthers. But before we do that, we do have to update you on some news that you may have been seeing around the Tar Heel social media feeds and the Tar Heel news community and uh, this was reported earlier today. Ross Martin of Inside Carolina uh, did speak to the uh, cl- the clerk uh, of the Chatham County um, board, I guess. I don't even know how you would phrase it uh, exactly. Uh, but Don Chapman was arrested uh, on Wednesday night and charged with domestic criminal trespassing, assault on a female, and misdemeanor battery of an unborn child. So that is Carolina's backup uh, at boundary safety. He did play uh, 33 snaps in the first two games of the year, 32 in the first game against Florida A&M, and one uh, against Appalachian State. He was set to appear in Chatham County District Court earlier this afternoon, according uh, to Ross Martin. Uh, at, at 2 o'clock, as far as we know, there hasn't been any reports that he didn't appear, um, but there hasn't been any further uh, reports coming out uh, to confirm whether or not he was actually there, so we'll kind of just leave that um, for now. But that is the latest. Uh, it seems probably pretty unlikely that he is going to travel with Carolina uh, to Atlanta, um, and Carolina uh, will probably be focused uh, on you know keeping him off to the side for now and uh, figuring out his situation before uh, they bring him back to the field. 
Uh, Carolina, the the, the uh, representative from the university, did talk uh, to Ross Martin earlier today and did say that they are aware of the situation and that they are awaiting further details before they make an official decision. So let's move on uh, as as you know as best we can uh, and transition into this game preview. Uh, against Georgia State and Carolina going on the road. Second straight road game for Carolina. They're looking for their stress, their second straight uh, road win. It has uh, been a while for Carolina, to say the least. And uh, hopefully Carolina uh, you know, looks a little bit better than they did a week ago on the road at App State. That was a road win, but probably one of those ones that Carolina uh, will mark down as a learning experience uh, more than a win in their book. So, uh, we'll see, you know, is is this a chance for Carolina really to sort of gain some footing before an important game that's coming up two weeks from now? Um, this is the first trip that any Power 5 team has taken to Georgia State. So uh, this is uncharted territory for Carolina and for uh, a lot of teams throughout the Power 5. Um, and this is, this is going to be interesting to see how this works out. And, you know, I think one of the things we got to talk about here – you know, we've heard a lot, you know, we heard a lot last week and really all offseason about Carolina having to travel on the road to take on App State in Boone and how crazy that environment will be. Well, this is the first time that a non-group of five team is traveling to play at Georgia State. It's a relatively new stadium. I believe they started playing there last year. It's where the old Turner Field used to be, where the Braves played. Um, so, this is one of those games we haven't really talked about this environment and what Carolina could be walking into, but this could not be, you know, a, a potentially rowdy environment that the Tar Heels could face on Saturday in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, Mac Brown said, you know, that they just played the biggest game in the history of, of home games for App State football, and now they're about to do the same thing when they play at Georgia State on Saturday, and this is a team that, of course, Carolina saw last year in Chapel Hill and they would go on to to beat them rather handily, but they would go on to finish the season last year 8-3, and three. and Sean Elliott has built a very solid, stable program in Atlanta, and this is this is a, a program that has won at Tennessee, um, so they, they, you know, they've, they've, they played with the big boys, and they've beaten the big boys in the past, but it's always been on the road. This time it'll be a little bit different. Um you know, it, it's really hard to speak upon the environment that will be there because this will easily be probably the most filled game that, that that stadium has ever seen. And the good news is, is that a lot like it was this past weekend in Boone, there's going to be a good bit of Tar Heel fans there because Atlanta is a good is a good spot for Carolina's alumni base. The Tar Heels always show out when they go there. You know, to play Georgia Tech. You know, whether it's football or basketball, there's always a really good Tar Heel crowd there as well. And so just a, a really unique challenge that, that Mac Brown has presented with his young football team. And this is a team that, you know, last year couldn't win away from home. And even the year that, that, that this program made the Orange Bowl, they were just a different team away from Chapel Hill. And Mac Brown has stressed, you know, all offseason that the next step of this program is finding ways to win games and play well away from Chapel Hill. They did that last weekend, Boone, on the offensive side of the football. They'll try to put a, a more complete performance together this weekend in Atlanta, but a really good chance for this young Tar Heel team to, to, to get their second win away from the uh, away from Keenan Stadium, you know, 
early in the year before they go into a bye week, before that schedule does ramp up, the last week of September with Notre Dame. Yeah, if they were to win it, it would be their uh, first back-to-back wins on the road since that game against Miami because, believe it or not, uh, the last game that they played on the road before that was Duke. They had three straight home games following that game against Duke before they traveled on the road to face the Hurricanes at the end of that 2020 season. But as you mentioned, Georgia State playing some of their best football that they've played in program history. They've won seven of their last nine games um, in a Sunbelt conference that I think is starting to become more and more respected throughout uh, the world of college football because you've got App State, you've also got Coastal Carolina who's who's in that conference. So uh, they are starting to gain some national respect. Uh, and this is a pretty good team. In, in terms of what you need to know, look, there's some names that should probably be familiar to you as a Tar Heel fan. Last year, uh, they had you know pretty dynamic running back duo that came in, Tucker Gregg and Jameis uh, Williams, um, who you know over the last two years have combined for 2,633 yards, including last year where they combined for 1,812 yards and 18 touchdowns. The good news is Carolina in that game against them last season held both of those guys in check. Uh, Tucker Gregg, seven carries, 31 yards. Um, and Jameis Williams, four carries for five yards. So Carolina did a really good job in that game. They'll also face a guy that they saw a little bit of, not a ton of, uh, in Darian Granger. He really became the entrenched starter at quarterback after um the Carolina game, but they saw a little bit of him. He was two for four, 22 yards in that game, but he had a really good year a year ago, uh, 19 to four touchdown to interception ratio, although he did not get off to the fastest start in their first game of the season against South Carolina the other night. He was just seven of 29 for 111 yards, did throw a touchdown uh, and did also throw an interception. So uh, we'll see you know, what type of challenge he, he poses uh, to Carolina. Uh, In terms of the receiving group, pretty young group. They do have Jamari Thrash, who returns from a year ago, had a solid year, uh, although it wasn't one of those seasons that many people will probably be writing home about. But he's the most dangerous guy that Carolina will have to keep an eye on. Two experienced tight ends, though, as well. Aubrey Payne, who's a veteran. Uh, He's a redshirt senior, um, or or a super senior, excuse me, uh, that is coming back for his COVID year, uh, along with Chris Bird at the tight end position three starters back on their offensive line from a year ago um, which is solid not great um, but this is still you know an offensive unit that uh, really you know you can't downplay because Carolina's defense hasn't given you the ability to downplay anybody just yet yeah no and this is going to be a team that they're going to want to establish the run and do everything else as an extension of that run game and you know I, I got the chance last week to watch a little bit of their game against South Carolina. For 98% of the country, they were wanting to see what Spencer Rattler was looking like in his Gamecock debut. Yep. And there was a bit, and that was a big reason why I had actually put the game on one of then five screens at the time last Saturday, but also knew that Georgia State was our next opponent. And um, so I wanted to get, you know, just, just an up-close look at them. And offensively, while they did struggle – on the road against an SEC team, which isn't surprising. They were a, a team that, you know, stayed committed to the run game until they had to start throwing the football, and they did play with the level of physicality that Carolina's defense is going to have to match because 
I think that's I think that's what you can say about Sean Elliott's group is that, and you see this a lot for 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 mid major teams that are really good, that you know they got to make up for the lack of talent with, with different ways. And this is a physical group. And the yep. biggest thing about this Tar Heel defense is what's been said about them for a very long time is that they're a very finesse group. They struggle to get off blocks. They struggle to make tackles in the open space. So you can be rest assured that that's going to be the game plan for Georgia State in this game. They're going to want to limit possessions anyway to keep some guy named Drake May in that offense on the sidelines. The best way to do that is is to run the football and really move the clock. And so Carolina's defense – will have their hands full. This offense shouldn't put up big numbers like we saw last week at App State against Carolina, but I don't think we'll be surprised if we find ourselves in another shootout. Yeah, there's definitely that potential. And I mean, we'll talk about the defense a little more in depth when we get uh, to the Toriel storyline side of this. Now, you mentioned, look, they are going to want to keep Drake May and that offense off the field. They are. There's no doubt about that. But this this might be the best defense Carolina's played so far this year. This is a legitimate group. Um, last week held Carolina to 79 yards rushing on 32 carries. Um, and Georgia State has held their last four opponents to under 100 yards rushing. Uh, those four uh, opponents have averaged 52 yards per game and 2.5 yards per carry. So they're doing some legitimate stuff on the ground when it comes to slowing down some of these running games that they faced. Their defensive line, extremely strong. Uh, They have broken their sack record each of the last two years, um, and they opened last week's game against South Carolina with three sacks. Uh, That's how many App State had against Carolina. So uh, there is potential for them to be able to get after the quarterback. They've got some guys that can get into the backfield in that front six. Six players with five or more tackles for loss returned from last season. Now, only two of those had five or more sacks, but they do kind of spread it throughout. Um, And this is a group that returns a, a, a lot of different guys. Nine guys total overall, but one of the guys that had five sacks a year ago wasn't even a full-time starter in their start in their now starting outside linebacker Jamil Muhammad. So this group pre- presents some trouble, and a guy that stood out in the first game of the year performed extremely well. And Carolina's got to be aware of him matching up against you know some of their receivers on the outside. Is super senior cornerback Quavian White who uh, led the defensive effort the other night in Columbia with two interceptions, two tackles for loss, and a sack. He was pretty much everywhere. So uh, this group, probably the most talented defensively that Carolina will face and definitely the most experienced. Yeah, no, this was a defense that that last week against South Carolina on the road had that offense on its heels for two and a half, three quarters before really just their talent and their depth really wore wore them out. And I thought the biggest thing – this, like we're going to see with their with their running backs on offense, it is a physical group, but they've got speed that you're probably not used to seeing from a team that's you know out of the Sun Belt in the group of five. Like you you know to, to my eye, I thought they looked faster in space and even at, than 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 App State's defenders did. They closed the gap on on South Carolina's skill position players. They they, they made the tackles in in the open field. And stuff like that. They have the ability to get pressure on the quarterback with with so many different guys that it's going to make it really hard to figure out who to double team and and, and who to leave one on one. And you got a ball hawking corner like Quavian White, who's been around the game, you know, for what you know what feels now, you know, his fifth or sixth year with him being a super senior, mm-hmm. who's not going to be a stranger to making plays in the passing game. 
and this will be this will be the first real you know so I mean like last week was a was a test, but we knew that App State defense had a lot to replace. They had some mm-hmm. guys, but it wasn't the App State defense that we saw you know three years ago. This is a better defense than App State's right now, and the next defense that Carolina is going to see will be Notre Dame. And we saw what they did on the road at Ohio State on Saturday night, slowing down one of the best offenses in the country. So we're really going to learn a lot about how far this offensive line has come um, because I do think that's the the thing that's not getting talked about enough when we talk about Carolina's offensive success because it's not sexy. But if this unit can keep Drake May clean and they can avoid the penalties, I think you should still see this offense put up numbers. It might take into the second half like it did South Carolina's but if, if this offense gives Drake's made time and gives these running backs holes to, to run through at some point, that dam's going to break and Carolina will be able to put points on the board. Yeah, no, this, this is an offense that we've been having conversations. I mean, I've told you this off air and I've told it to a couple other people. This offense has the potential to be Carolina's best ever. And we're talking about, I mean, that 2015 offense, un, really unreal. Uh, 2019, 2020 in particular, that offense was about as flawless as it could get with the two running backs in Javante Williams and Michael Carter, with the production that you saw from Sam Howell at quarterback, from Deami Brown and Daz Newsome. But this offense has that potential to be that good. It might not you you might not have the guys that are the outliers of those running back and wide receiver groups that might be more spread out. But this offense has the potential, and you're right. This is their first test. And you're, it's going to only get tougher as you go into ACC play. And really, I think they, you may reach the pinnacle of toughness with that game against Notre Dame. That team looked a lot better than I think a lot of us thought they were going to look in their first game under Marcus Freeman in the horseshoe against Ohio State. So this is a good test to try to get Carolina's offense sort of ready for that, and we'll see how they respond. In terms of you know the, the last group for Georgia State, the specialists, uh, Michael Hayes is a guy that's been there a while. Um, he's been their punter for a long time, but now he's doing their place kicking. Um, he, he did kick one field goal back in his freshman year, but that's been it. So he is handling all of their kicking duties, place kicking, kickoffs, and punting. So that he, he's a guy that's going to handle a lot for them. A little bit of an unknown, though, uh, for the second straight week, what the opposing place kicker can do. Uh, and in terms of the return game, uh, Quavian White is going to uh, return yet again this year. Uh, did handle both duties last year. Was all right, not great. So uh, I don't know if that's as big of a threat for Carolina as some of the guys that they've faced. Uh, in the previous two weeks, Florida A&M having one of the best in all of college football, an FCS uh, All-American at, at the punt returner spot. Um, and then last week, uh, App State with a couple of guys that were pretty dangerous as well that Carolina was able to keep the ball away from. So that is our look at the Georgia State Panthers. And uh, right now we want to tell you about Raycon. Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of games here at work, and I have, uh, I'm going to have to do it yet again this weekend. And look, it's been great to have my Raycon earbuds with me. One reason they've been great to listen to uh, is because, you know, you've got the, they, the fact that they have the optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge Trust me, I have them in with other headphones on, and uh, it, it works perfectly. Um, they have uh, Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They give you 
eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. You can't beat that, guys. Raycon are priced just right for you just to get audio quality at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And look, there's tons of other great things about these. You've got awareness mode, uh, which uh, is is absolutely tremendous. You've got noise isolation, uh, which sort of keeps out any noise from uh, from around you as well. Uh, to sort of put you in, in in your own environment when you have them in. And uh, look, as I mentioned, I've had to do it uh, you know a lot here over these first couple of weeks, and I'm going to have to do it again this week. I'll put it in my ear. Um, the other ear will be. You know, uh, covered up by uh, the other audio that I'll be having to listen to at the same time. But it's great. It allows me to multitask. It allows me uh, to sort of keep tabs on what's going on uh, with Carolina while working. And I think that's where they kind of work best. I think that's probably the best environment that you can use them. But you can use them anywhere, whether it's at the gym. As you can probably tell from my profile picture and other pictures that have been taken of me, I am not a gym guy, but if you are, use them there. But I I, I prefer to use them at work, and they are tremendous. So make sure you go to Raycon.com today and use the code TPPN15 and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's that's code TPPN15 at buy. Raycon.com to score 15% off. Buy Raycon.com code TPPN15. So let's move on and talk a little bit about the Tar Heel storylines in this game. And first of all, how can you talk about the Tar Heel storylines without talking about the man that right now may be the single hottest quarterback in the country in Drake May? This is a guy that I think. He is a polarizing topic already because there are so many people that are pointing out how great of a start it has been to the season, but you've got the people that are saying, hey, look, let's pump the brakes on him. He's played Florida A&M. He's played Appalachian State. But there's no doubt that coming into this game, there's a couple of different things you want to see. Is, you know, going up against the stiffer defense, is he going to be able to continue to produce at that same level? And the thing I'm most interested to see from him is how is he starting, how is he handling this hype? Because he is really one of the most talked about quarterbacks in the entire country at this point in the season. Yeah, no, um, he's he's off to a fantastic start. I think he has exceeded all of our expectations to this point in the season. Um, you know, I I I predicted he was going to do some really big time things this year, but I thought it was going to be in the back half of the year before he would really, you know, arrive on the college football scene. And if you want to learn more about his arrival to the scene of college football, check out an article I wrote at Heel Tough Blog. Dot com. Guys, you got to read the article. He put a lot of work into this, and he is he is very, very hurt by the fact that it's not getting read as much as he thinks it should get read. And and, and so, like, for this week, yes, because there is, there is hype now around him. And mm-hmm. whenever you hear North Carolina talked about, whether it's on college game day or whatever, you know, ACC show, podcast, whatever it is, they're going to talk about Drake May. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how it was with Sam Howell pretty much after his first game as Carolina's quarterback three years ago against South Carolina. But we have we got to see his older brother up close when Luke was a hero for North Carolina basketball. 
sending that team to the Final Four, and the first thing he did was he went to class on Monday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, the next two years, he was a bona fide star for the team. And he was just a very quiet, humble guy. And I think that's how you're going to see Drake May approach it, where mm-hmm. he's going to be confident because he knows what he can do and what he's capable of. But I don't think he's ever going to be someone where it's, it's ever, it's ever going to be too much for him. Because as, as Mac Brown likes to say all the time when he talks about him, He's the youngest of, of two brothers who both won national championships playing their respective college sports. So he he got he was getting beat up all the time, all the time. That's why he's so competitive. It's why he has the edge. But it's also why he's never going to get you know too big for his britches or anything like that. And I, I think he's out to prove because he, he's heard the naysayers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just FAMU. It's just App State. But the numbers don't lie. He's off to a historic start. He's at, he, he's exceeded what Jameis Winston's first two games were, Johnny Manziel's first two games were, and those two guys won Heisman trophies. So he'll be out to prove this hot start isn't a fluke. See, this is how you got to advertise the article, too. You got you got to sell people on the fact that he is having a better start than two Heisman winners. I did. I mean, Nah, not the way you phrased it. Not the way you phrased it. Because I shared it on. But seriously, it's a it's a really good article. Make sure you guys go and read it. But it's like seven paragraphs worth of good reading. There, there you go. I mean, that must have taken you what an hour. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, but but it's it's a great article because look, this this guy deserves to be talked about a lot. And look, I know there there are some people. I've heard this from a lot of people. Well, you you're not putting him in the Heisman conversation, are you? Uh, ESPN is. I mean, look, the numbers <laughs> would probably put him up there. Right now, look, he's leading college football in the major passing categories. And look, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that have played two games so far this year. But I mean, if you just look at the averages of those two games, I mean, they're pretty good. Like this dude has thrown nine touchdowns. He has 10 touchdowns overall. Five touchdowns a game. If you keep up that pace, you might be in the Heisman run. In the Heisman running. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think, you know, I, I you you want to see how he handles it. But in terms of how I think he's going to handle it, I think he's going to be perfectly fine because I think it's a fa- I I think it's a family thing. Like you said, I think it starts with their dad. You know, most people don't realize that Mark May was a really, really good quarterback back in the day for the Tar Heels. And it was in the 80s, so the numbers aren't as, you know, mind-blowing as some of the modern-day numbers are. But he was a guy that was a star. And, you know, maybe not as well-known nationally as Drake is right now, but could have been if he would have played in the era that he is playing in right now with you know, with social media and everything like that, and he was lighting it up the way he did back in the 80s. So uh, he was a guy that handled it, you know, pretty well. And, um, you know, same thing with, with his brothers, as you said. The other thing is he's also been this guy in high school. There's a reason that this dude was a borderline five-star player. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best players in the state of North Carolina. And going into his senior season, he had huge expectations. He finished that season with a 50-2 to two touchdown interception ratio. Like, this dude... This dude has been there before. He is going to handle it fine. Um, and in terms of you know being one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now, I don't think there's anybody that can really argue that. Um, he's off to the type of start that you need to be off to in order to start generating conversations throughout the country about yourself as a quarterback. And I don't think anybody can fault him for that. The other thing is, is as we talked about when we recapped the game, there are some things that you can just see from him that it doesn't matter who he's playing against. 
This dude has some special attributes to him, his ability to spread the football around, the way that he sees the field, how natural it is for him. I mean, easy, smooth release. A dude that, I mean, as you said, I I thought you brought up a great point when you were talking about his decision-making. You know, that was one of the things that we were concerned about a little with Sam Howell at times was that he was a little bit indecisive in the pocket. That's not Drake May at all. If he's going to tuck and run, he's tucking and running, and, and and that's it. If he's going to you know, a- end up making a throw to a receiver, he's not going to second-guess himself. He's going to drive it in there and make the throw. So uh, I think that this guy, the sky is the limit for him, and I'm interested to see how this carries over into this game. Now, you know, in terms of the offensive side, I think one of the other things that's going to play a factor once again are injuries. And I'm not saying it's a concern. I just think it's the overall outlook of what this group looks like. Josh Downs, we don't know if he's going to play in this game. So that would mean that once again, you're going to have Kobe Pesor out there. Is he a guy that can perform the way that he did last week? Are there other guys that step up? Um, we, we don't know. You know, is this finally the week that we see a little bit more of Andre Green Jr. breaking out? He was he, he actually started the game last week, but we didn't really hear from him. Um, but th- this will be a chance to sort of see what some of these other offensive guys can do if Josh Downs can't play once again. Caleb Hood, he's banged up now again. I can't believe that, but once again, he is banged up. So what does the running back group look like? Is he going to be able to play? And if not, how do they sort of juggle the carries in the backfield? Is it really just going to be the two true freshmen handling most of the handling most of the carries with DJ Jones in on third downs to handle those passing downs? Is DJ Jones more involved in the running game? And then I think the biggest question and the one that could, that does concern me a little bit is the potential that Spencer Rollin may not play in this game. Look, I know that he had some struggles the other day. He let up two sacks, let up six pressures on the quarterback. But at the same time, to lose an offensive lineman this early into the season, to have to kick William Barnes out there, which I don't think is the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination, um, but more so to kick William Barnes out, move Jonathan Adorno in as a starter, and lose more depth. That, that those are the things that are going to be interesting to watch about these injuries. Yeah, and look, if 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 Josh Downs isn't one hundred percent, they shouldn't play him because I think you're coming off a game where you have confidence that your offense can can do what it needs to do without him. And I think you know we'd much rather have him a lot more healthy for Notre Dame in a, in a few weeks as opposed to risking re-injuring him against Georgia State and him not being on the field. And uh, you know, and, and, and so I think you look at what KB, what Kobe Pesor did last week, what JJ Jones did last week. You have confidence that those two guys can continue to build off of those performances. Maybe, as you mentioned, Andre Green Jr. does step into the fold and start making plays. The good news is, is that also they've also they've 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 integrated the tight end into the offense before they get into the red zone now. And so you can kind of mask not having a wide receiver out there with getting your your versatile tight end threats involved. Caleb Hood, if if he can't go, would be a big blow because he made two massive plays in the game last week to help Carolina win. But I think you got to like you know what what Amarian Hampton and George Petaway are capable of, mm-hmm. and then DJ Jones. I mean he you know he he made maybe the hardest play of the whole entire game. Because he was so wide open, you know, most times you see a player in those situations drop the ball. So, and I feel like there's just enough depth and stuff there where if Hood can't go, you got enough guys that you you can get through. If Rollin can't go, I, I do think that you, you would see this offensive line 
maybe not play as well as we've seen it play so far. And even though he struggled last week, you can't you you, you know that that experience he's bringing is invaluable. And then you, as you mentioned, you have to bring Adorno, make him a, a starter. And then you're potentially, you know, you're already down one depth offensive line piece. So if another injury or two were to occur, you know, you'd be you'd be kind of, you know, kind of in a, in a really tough spot there. But nonetheless, as everyone's talking about this offense and why they're putting up the numbers that they're putting up, they've got a plethora of options at every position mm-hmm. to use from, and that's why they've been so hard to defend because the first couple of years it was. You had two or three guys that were making all the plays. Well, now you've got five or six guys making the plays. They're not going to have the volume of yards that a Dayami Brown or Daz Newsom had or, you know, maybe a Michael Carter, Javante Williams. But as a unit, they're still having that type of production. Makes them harder to defend. And I would expect more of the same that Carolina's offense is going to score and score in, in volume on Saturday. Well, yeah, that's the good thing is that these injuries are on the offensive side of the ball because that would – I mean, we don't need any any injuries to the defensive side of the ball. We need as many possible players that you can have there to try to find some sort of solution. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think I, – I don't know how concerned I would be if Rolland is out of the lineup because, I mean, you still got a veteran in William Barnes – I wonder, you know, with him having to play a full game at right tackle, what would that mean? Because we, as long as I can remember, there has not been a game where he has started at right tackle. Um, he has, you know, sort of cemented himself in there at right guard as the starter so far this year. I would be more concerned with him at right tackle than Adorno starting at right guard because Adorno is as from all from everything we've heard has taken a step forward he played a, a decent amount of reps in the game against Florida A&M and I get it look this is definitely a step up but I think it would be more that concern about that right tackle position and are you going to have a mismatch against some of these speedier guys that are going to be coming off the edge uh, for this Georgia State defense I mean you're talking about um, John Trey Hunter uh, who is 6'2 200 that rushes yeah. off the edge for them uh, Jamil McDonald, 6'2", 245. So smaller, squattier type of guys. Does that favor what William Barnes can do for you in pass protection? We don't know. So hopefully Spencer Rolland can go, and we don't really have to worry too much uh, about answering that question. Uh, you know, Moving over on defense, I, I mean, can this defense show any sort of response to the game in Boone. Like, I, I think it, it really seems like a broad generalization, but I got to tell you, I, I don't think there's an area of this defense that can feel even remotely confident about what we saw from them in Boone. So it's it's a, it's got to be a response from every single unit in this game. And really, they've got to show some sort of sign of life at this point. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. Are they gonna Are they gonna bounce back? Because we have no reason to believe that 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 they are. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're they're saying all the right things, and I feel like they're doing all the right things. But for some reason, it's not translating to to to, to Saturday. And while this isn't a dynamic, explosive offense, it is a physical one. It's a one that's going to run at Carolina's defense, and they're they're going to make them tackle, and that's something Carolina has struggled to do to start the season is is, is to tackle and make plays. So um, I, I do feel like we're not going to give up, you know, sixty one points in this game. Just, Yay, to say the least. But 
I, I think we're I think we're at a point with this defense where if we find ourselves in a shootout with a group of five opponent, we're not going to be all that surprised either. So if this game's 38-31 entering the fourth quarter or something like that, not going to be surprised. The nope. surprise would be is if they came out and they held them to under you know twenty one points or something like that. I so honestly, I was going to ask, would you be surprised if they held them to seventeen points like they did a year ago? Yes, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. and look, part of it is that it's it's last year was at home, this year at night on the road, and it, you're facing a team that is much better than they were a year ago. A lot of people want to compare these two teams. I've seen a lot of Tariel fans using that as a reason to say that we're going to beat this team badly. Look, this is a different team than you faced a year ago. It's a much more confident team. It's a team that's had some really good success as of late. And look, they just went into Columbia and gave South Carolina a really good game. Now, granted, it's the first game of the season, and South Carolina will probably look a lot better moving forward. They'll clean some things up, no doubt about it. But Georgia State probably will as well moving forward. So Carolina's got to be ready. And yeah, for this defense, and here's the thing, this is not just about the, the the guys that are on the field. This is about the guys that are in the booth, that are coaching on the sidelines. There needs to be adjustments from this coaching staff because so far, there don't seem to be many. I, I mean, look, I, I've seen a lot of zone defense, and maybe I'm just insane I think we should see more man coverage from these corners because that's what their strength was coming in. And just zone defense-wise, you don't have the communication to handle this. You don't have a strong enough leader on the back end of that secondary. And 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 I hate to say that because I don't want to go after a single out a guy, but, man, Cameron Kelly is your free safety, and it just does not seem to be clicking. Everybody can kind of see that. We've seen it for the last couple of years. Your communication is not good enough to play zone defense. So you've got to play man defense. But And my thing is, the defensive line has to be able to get more pressure. Does that mean that you know if they're struggling, you have to scheme more blitzes? I don't. I have no idea. There are there are no clear solutions with this defense. But I need this defensive staff to try something in terms of what they're doing scheme wise, and I need them to try something in terms of the guys that are on the field. If guys are struggling as bad as they were the other day in that fourth quarter, where you let up forty damn points. The most that you have allowed in a quarter in Tario football history, pull dudes out and put some other – I don't care if you put offensive players on the damn field. Put them out there. Put somebody else out there because it can't get worse than it looked the other day. Yeah, I mean, I I think like the biggest, the biggest frustration early on in the game last week was that we felt like we were in position to make the plays and we just weren't making them. I mean, you got him. You you had him in position a couple of times on third down, like you had the the long touchdown run to start the game was on a third down play in the fourth quarter. You couldn't even get to that point. They were just going up and down the field on you, with without without any resistance. And and that that was the biggest problem. The fact that this defensive line is not winning the battles against these offensive lines that they're facing is a very telling thing. Um and and I know I made a listener very mad when I when I criticized the talent, but I do think there's the, the, this it's it's a valid point that the talent isn't as good as that star rating says because they're not dominating you know subpar to below average talent to start the season. I think it's more of a coaching issue 
to where I don't think Tim Cross is just the right voice for those guys right now. But that that's where it starts mm-hmm. and ends for this defense. If 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 they want to be something better than what we saw the other day, they got to be able to win up front with four. Until that happens, you'll be blitzing linebackers. You'll be putting guys in in bad situations. The defense will get exposed. And it'll be more the same of, of what we saw when Jay Bateman was here. And, and because I don't feel like you can trust these corners in one-on-one situations because, I mean, Storm Duck got toasted for three touchdowns last week. Yep. But then also, I mean, if, if you're if you're going to play man, you're, you're, you'd probably be more confident that your defensive line's going to get home more often to where you can cover for, you know, just three to four seconds as opposed to seven or eight. And the, right now there's no confidence – in that, so I do feel like Chizik is going to start being more Chizik-like, where you'll he'll see you'll see more adjustments and stuff like that. I think last week was pretty much. I think they just knew this is how this game's going to be played out, and we're not going to stop them. We're not going then they're not going to stop us. And luckily, you outscored them. I I would say starting this week, you would see Chizik being more aggressive, different schemes, rotation, all that stuff. Because you you got to have some semblance of what you got defensively before Notre Dame. I mean, and and you, it's not necessarily that you didn't stop them the whole game. You stopped them in the second and third quarter. Yeah. You had them stop before you accepted a holding penalty that changed pretty much the entire game. So there's there's elements of this defense that work. And when I say I want to see more man coverage, you're right that you've seen some of it. I need to see press man. I want to see guys getting physical on the line of scrimmage because that was the strength of Tony Grimes. That was when you watched his his high school film. That was what he did. He's a physical guy at the line of scrimmage. Let these guys get their hands on these wide receivers to at least try to slow these dudes out of the gate. Because when you're playing off the ball like they have been for the majority of these first two games, you're just making it too easy on these guys. And I, I think that's an adjustment that this staff has to make. And I don't know if that's a call from Gene Chizik, from Charlton Warren, or from Dre Bly. There's three guys that could be involved in that when it comes to the corners. But you need to see more of that. And yes, you are right. You have got to get something from your defensive line. I am like you. I think there is a ton of talent in that room because on paper, it shows you there's a ton of talent. And there's a reason why... These guys are evaluated. Are there guys that are misevaluated all every year? Of course there are. But there's no way that you have this many four- and five-star guys in that room that are misevaluated. It comes back to, at that point, are they being coached right? Are they being developed right? And that's a question. But look, if you're Tim Cross, man, you got to know that. It's time to step up. It's time to show, you know, demand more from your unit of, hey, guys, Look, my my rear may be on the line here. Mm-hmm. You've got to start doing something. So we'll, we'll see if they can do that uh, heading into this game on the road in Atlanta. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to tell you uh, uh, three keys to the game. We'll give you our predictions, and then we'll get you out of here for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Hey, everybody. Josh here. Head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Check out my in-depth article about Drake May's arrival to the college football scene. We'll also be getting you ready for this weekend's matchup with Georgia State with the preview and the keys to the game. And then, of course, we'll have you covered in the postgame with 
Anthony's recap, Ashton's analysis, the stock report, and, of course, the trench report. As for basketball, some recruiting news coming out of the program this week as Carolina offered one prospect, missed out on another. Find out all that and more. HeelToughBlog.com. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. As an add-in bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog. Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe and at Hack Zubber 2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heels Up Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you, Josh Marlowe as well. Let's get into the keys to the game for Carolina's trip to Georgia State. And look, we'll get right back into it with the defense. I think this one's a pretty simple key for me, but you've got to show some sort of pulse on the defensive side of the ball. At least give people something to believe in. And here's the thing. At least give your offense a little bit of a margin for error against a defense that, as we said earlier, might be the best defense that you've played so far this year. Yeah, and look, this is going to be a group that's going to be motivated to go out and play a lot better because they know what's being said about them. They know that there were people criticizing them, and I'm pretty sure – you know, that Sunday film session wasn't a whole lot of fun, and I bet this week of practice probably wasn't a whole lot of fun either. And, and so I do think you'll see better energy, better effort, and all that. It just then comes down to the execution. It's it's mm-hmm. it's being able to make that tackle in the open space. It's, it's being able to get off that block to, to stop them at the line of scrimmage or, for make, or make it a one-yard gain as opposed to a four- or five-yard gain. And like it has been for the majority of the last couple of years, I think we'll know pretty early which which defense showed up. If if the defense that tries and is, and is given an effort, well, I think we'll know pretty early. If this team comes out and it's twenty-one to seven, like it was last week, we'll probably be sitting there, you know, with 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 the clenched cheeks, saying, "Here we go again," because we're we're going to have to go outscore another opponent. So. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I am excited to see what this group looks like because I do think I think they've got the right combination of experience, talent, youth, and coaching to where they could be at least an average unit, and, and then maybe they start taking that step on Saturday. And that's, that's all 
we are asking for. We are not asking for you to be a top 10 defensive unit in the country. With this offense, the potential that it has, if you are average, this is a team that will be right in the thick of the hunt in the ACC Coastal because your offense, mainly your quarterback and your star wide receiver, are good enough to get you there. So just please show us some sort of sign that you can be average at this point. I mean, that's all my parents ask of me at some point, is just show me you can be average. Mm. Now, Okay. Um, you met, you mentioned it a little bit there. You talked about if we're down 21-7. to Well, let's, let's hope that's not the case. They need to get off to a fast start in this game. Um, one, because, yeah, th- you have the unknown element. I got to tell you, we heard so much about App State and their environment. I don't know if that means that we're, since we're not hearing a lot about Georgia State, have they not had great environments? I- I'm not really sure, but I think you're right. This is the first time a Power 5 school is coming to their to, to them, and we're talking about not only since they've been at their new stadium. No, we're talking about since they've entered the FBS. So even when they played in the Georgia Dome, they never had a Power 5 team come there. I think this this school is going to be pretty cranked up. I would assume that there are going to be a pretty good amount of people that show up for this game. It'll probably be the best environment that they've had there. So Carolina's got to be able to take that environment out of the game early. I don't know if it's one that's going to affect the game quite like the App State one could have last week. But they've got to be able to get off to a fast start. And really, you've got to be able to get off to a fast start against a group of five team. Because if you don't, that would be three straight non-Power 5 teams that you've gotten off to slow starts against. Probably not going to bode too well for you against Power 5 opponents. Well, and and the other thing is that, like, I'm not as fearful or as worried about this environment. Like, we knew... Oh, of course not. No, no, no. I mean, we knew The Rock was going to be a... Rocky environment from word go, and that's what it was. You saw, Your parents don't even think you're average for that joke. <laughs> the, the the issue with this is it's kind of like what you see in college basketball where you see people like in the in NCAA tournament where the longer you let that team hang around, the more belief they're going to have in themselves. Mm-hmm. And this team was believing last week in Columbia – they were every ounce as good, if not better, than South Carolina. Oh, no doubt. When they were leading them 14-12 to 12 in the middle of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So they're not lacking for confidence as it is coming off of what they did last week. So if, 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 if you find yourself you know, down double digits or just never really putting the game away, and look, I don't think this game will be over in the first half because I think Georgia State's mm-hmm. a good program. But if, if you're down double digits – like you were last week at App State, that you're going to find yourself in a, in a similar situation where you got to make a bunch of plays defensively. So that's why I think it's the fast start is so important this week. The environment, they'll probably just as many, if not more, Tar Heel fans than than Georgia State fans, just because. Well, I've never seen an actual Georgia State fan that's not a parent of a. We, well, uh, well, we saw a few of them last year. That see, that's the thing. It's parents. Yeah. It's it's like really, really tied in alumni, maybe. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's. I think you want to see him get off to a fast start. But I I feel what you're saying too. It a fast start doesn't necessarily mean that you are up. 35 nothing at halftime. I'll I would take be, it, though. Oh, I mean, look, if you want to go ahead and do that, please, by all means, do. But even just being up 14 nothing at halftime, 
or just just not having to play from behind because I'm gonna tell I you don't... something. If they give up zero points in the first half, I'm gonna be naked in my room in terms of celebrating. Well, you're gonna be that anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, uh... I thought that was I, I, I thought that was probably your original plan. <laughs> Thanks for just airing it out to everybody that you were gonna be airing it out during the game. Well, so uh, I mean, that's look, nice. I mean, look, you're not gonna be over this weekend. So I'll be able to be more of myself in my natural habitat while I'm that's, watching my team play. That's concerning. That's concerning. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you just you want to you do not want to play from behind in this game because this defense you are not going to be able to put up points as quickly as you did last week against App State, and really at will. So that's that's not a game plan for success in this game, and, and it ties into what you said as well. You don't want to give this team that feeling that they have the chance to pull the upset because the more they believe, the better chance they are able to pull it. Um, And then, you know, the last one here is protect your quarterback. This team, as we mentioned, last two years, they have set program records for sacks. It's a bunch of different guys that can do it to you. But this is a group that is going to get after the quarterback. They they, they pretty much play a five-man defensive front. There are five guys that pretty much can rush the quarterback for them so Carolina's got to be prepared. They are going to be faced with a tough, tough challenge in this one in terms of protecting their their young quarterback. Yeah, and I think we'll really get a good sense of, you know, is is Drake May really progressing the field that fast? Is he seeing the field that good? Is his pocket awareness that good? Or was that just a byproduct of that offensive line being as good as it was the first two weeks? I think it's a little bit of both. I do think he's a really good I, – I think he's processing the field really really fastly. I think he's got a really good IQ. I think he knows when to get rid of the ball and when not to. But there's probably going to be some times where he's got to make some throws with some pressure in his face. Mm-hmm. And the good news is, is we've already seen him make a couple of those types of throws in big situations beforehand. But, you know, their defensive line – has the chance to rattle and take this offense out of the rhythm because it's what it did last week at at South Carolina. They had that offense all, all out of sorts really into the fourth quarter, and, and and so that's what you're really trying to avoid. And I think the the good news is that Phil Longo has really matured as a play caller where it feels like in these situations the past couple years – he was kind of calling plays that were putting his offense in a bad situation, and his quarterback was getting hit, was out of rhythm and stuff like that. His first two game plans this year, they've been perfect, they've been flawless, and the Carolinas executed them to you know to to a T. So I think that's going to help. But you know, the the last thing we want to see is is Drake May you know on the turf a lot in this game. Well, look, the offensive line has been good the first two games. Um I thought, you know, clearly better against Florida A&M as you would expect, but I thought the other day for the most part, you know, outside I thought the penalties were clearly a concern and they got to cut that down, but I thought in terms of just the pure blocking, I thought this group looked pretty good for the second straight week. And they had that one that one stretch where Nick Hampton kind of went a little nuts on Spencer Rollin. But outside of that, I thought they kind of took care of business. This one, you're going to be faced with more than just one guy that can really cause you issues. It's going to be a multitude of guys. Can they handle it across the board? Uh, And if they can, I think this will be a real confidence booster for this team as they would then prepare for, uh, again, what we, we talked about maybe the best overall team that they will face all season. 
it will almost certainly be the best defensive line that they will face all season in Notre Dame, who year in and year out has one of the best defensive lines you see every year. So uh, it's going to be a really good test. And I'll say this, when we used to put this down last year as a key to a game, I didn't feel really confident that that was going to happen. I feel pretty confident in Jack Bicknell Jr. and his group to step up and and check this box off in this game against the defensive line that is going to challenge them. No doubt about it. Yeah, and, and I, I do think it's something that this offensive line has matured. They have progressed. It was addition by subtraction, losing Stacey Searles. You get Jack McNeil Jr. and your staff. You add two transfers who have been around the sport for a very long time. You also got a quarterback who just who just his his pocket presence is at a really high level to be a redshirt freshman playing college football. And so it's just really all come together. And this offensive line, you know, I, I think they took the, the criticisms to heart. They, they they came back a motivated group, a much more determined group to be better. And through two, through, through two weeks, they've been just that. All right. Well, let's get to our predictions here. Uh, buddy, I'll let you start us off here. What do you got for this game against uh, the Georgia State Panthers on the road? I, I don't see you know 124 combined points in this game, but I do think given Carolina's thank, offense thank God. and their defense, you're still going to see you know some some you know magnitude of points. At the end of the day, though, I think I think Carolina knows you know what's at stake a three and zero start. You know, going into a bye week before you get to host Notre Dame, um, you know, two weeks after that, um, and 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 they 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 set the goal to start the season three and zero. They broke their season down into quarters. Mm-hmm. You get three and zero, you get a bye week, and then you kind of reset. And so I think this team is kind of ready for that, and I think they're ready to go out and, and build off what they did last week on offense and improve on <laughs> well the things they did well defensively. I think Drake May continues his hot start. I think Kobe Pesor, J.J. Jones, whoever it has to be, makes plays in the passing game. I think Carolina runs the ball the way they want to, and they eventually run away with a 38-21 win. Mm. All right, yeah, I, I have uh, I have Carolina scoring a, li- a little bit more than that, but I also have Georgia State scoring a little bit more than that. Um, I have Carolina 45-27. Mm. I think that you know this offense is has shown that they can be trusted even though it's that early in the season, and I'm with you. I don't think it matters if Josh Downs is out there or not. I think this Carolina offense has the playmakers to still make this happen. I trust this offensive line to do what they have to do up front against this group. I think, you know, they'll be be a decent amount of of negative plays and probably a sack or two, no doubt about it. But I think they handle their own. I think Carolina's offense puts up some really solid numbers once again. I would say they probably get somewhere around 450 yards, uh, maybe even into that 500-yard range once again. I'm that confident in where this team's at right now. But defensively, I just, I've got to see it before I can believe it with this group. Um, I think that you know there'll be a couple of times where Georgia State will hit some big running plays. I think these guys, Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams, two guys that you know last year came in here and didn't produce in Chapel Hill the way that they probably thought they would, will be motivated. Um, and I think that this offensive line is veteran enough to where they could cause that defensive line that just doesn't seem to have the motivation right now. Uh, they could push them around a little bit and cause them some trouble. So uh, I think Carolina lets up some points in this game. I think that's just going to 
be part of what these predictions are going to be like all season. But I think their offense gets it done. I like Carolina 45-27 on the road to get to 3-0 heading into that bye week. So make sure you guys head over to the website. We'll have you covered with everything that you need, the preview uh, that will get you ready with all sorts of stats uh, to sort of break down these two teams. We have in-depth team breakdowns. I write uh, you know, a breakdown of each team to tell you a little bit about the story uh, for both teams. Carolina is, of course, always a little bit longer than the opponents, but the opponents one gives you a pretty good look at what exactly Carolina is facing. Also, injury report will be on there. We'll try to get the latest uh, that we can on Caleb Hood, on Spencer Rollin, and of course on Josh Downs. And then uh, we will have the projected starting lineups in there for you guys as well to take a look at all that in the previews. Day of the game, keys to the game. I'll break the keys to the game that we just listed to you down a little bit further, and that stuff will be on the website. That's a new feature that we started last week. I wasn't able, I wanted to do it in week one, but I wasn't able to, so we did start that last week. And then, of course, we will wrap it all up for you as we have here recently. A ton of coverage afterwards, uh, including my recap, Josh's trench report, the stock report, Ashton's analysis. Mac Brown's press conference takeaways, all that great stuff you will see on Monday on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tories. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.